Okay, Father, thank you so much for giving us the, the amazing, wonderful opportunity of coming together, Lord, to, to pray and to sing and to glorify you, to worship you, and Lord, um, to love on each other and to feel your love on us, and Lord, uh, to open your word and to hear you speak to us. Uh, we are so blessed that we're able to have the freedom to open up your word, to hear your voice. So, Lord, I, I decrease that you would increase. I empty myself of myself. So fill me with yourself that everything that I say and do, every thought that enters my mind would be of you and not of me. We praise in Jesus' name. All God's people said, amen. amen. If you have your Bible or, or Bible app, turn to Proverbs chapter 3, verses 13 through 35 is today's text. Again, Proverbs chapter 3, verses 13 through 35. We're going to finish the whole chapter. We're now in part five of our series, Wisdom that works. Everyone say that. And as always, you guys know this, right? Before we even dive into the text, I want to do a quick review from last week's text, which was chapter 3, this chapter, verses 1 through 12. And I gave you two points. You might remember those points. The first point was pay close attention. Everyone say that. And that's in verses 1 through 4. And there Solomon tells his son to not forget to not forsake the teachings of the scriptures, but to keep them, in other words, guard them in his heart. And if he does, friends, they will prolong his life many years and bring him prosperity. Another word for that is peace, a peace. In other words, if he does this, his life will be a life worth living, and he will have harmonious relationships within his family and also within his community. Then Solomon speaks about inward Character, say inward character. He says, let love, it's also rendered as kindness, mercy, and faithfulness rendered as truth or integrity, dependability, and reliability never leave you. And he says, bind love or mercy and faithfulness and truth, reliability, dependability, and integrity around your neck. And if you do that, the result is the pleasure of God and the respect of men. In other words, being right with God and being right with men is a hallmark of integrity, say integrity, and also the proof of real wisdom. So he's telling his son, son, pay close attention to God's word. He's telling his readers, us, to pay close attention to God's word. The second point of last week's message text was put God first. Everyone say that. He says, pay close attention, then put God first. That's verses 5 through 12. And he opens up by saying, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Right? This trust must be what? Wholehearted. And I want to tell you, friends, it's smart, it's wise, it's wisdom to trust in God with all your heart. So he says, do this. Then he says, don't do this. And lean not on your own understanding." And what it does, it warns us about leaning on our own intellect, leaning on self rather than on God, his wisdom, and his word. Then he says, in all your ways, not some, but all, say all, acknowledge him. We must so acknowledge him, God, that his ways, his word, and his character shape our choices and direct our lives. Now now here's the blessing. And he will make your what? Paths straight. Then he says, do not be wise in your own eyes. Don't do that. 
Fear the Lord and shun evil. The blessing is this. This will bring health to your body and nourishment to your bones. Then he says, honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of all, first fruits, excuse me, of all your crops. Now notice the blessing. Notice the blessing. Then your barns will be filled to overflowing, and your vats will brim over with new wine. God rewards faithful giving, friends. Right? And he says, my son, do not despise the Lord's discipline, the Lord's correction. And do not resent his rebuke. Why? Because the Lord disciplines those he, what? Loves. As a father of the son, he delights in. He only, God only disciplines those who are his, right? And no matter how much his discipline may hurt, because it does hurt. No matter how much his discipline may hurt us, it will never harm us because his discipline or his disciplining, chastening hand is controlled. I love this. It's controlled by his loving heart. This now brings us to today's text. The title of my message is Wisdom's Worth. Everyone say that. Four points from today's text. If you're ready, say yes. Now, I want, I want more enthusiasm. If you're ready, say yes. Awesome. Number one is embrace wisdom. Embrace wisdom. Embrace the value of wisdom. And that's in verses 13 through 18. We're going to get through that right now. And this is a beautiful poetic description of the value and the results of wisdom. Wisdom's worth. Psalm says, blessed is the man who finds wisdom. The man who gains understanding. I want to stop there. Solomon longed for his son and all, all who would read Proverbs to seek after wisdom. He says, blessed, okay, blessed. That word blessed is happy. Say happy. And what that's doing, that's describing the life that enjoys God's grace, God's favor, God's wisdom. Now notice what Solomon says. Blessed are those who find wisdom. Which means we must what? Seek after it. It doesn't just fall in our laps. We must seek after it and gain understanding. If you got that, say amen. Verse 14, stay with me now. For she is more, speaking of wisdom, is more profitable than silver and yields better returns than gold. Verse 15, she is more precious. Got to get this. More precious than rubies. Nothing you desire can compare with her. This describes wisdom as a treasure. Nothing, say nothing, nothing can compare in value, not silver, not gold, not jewels, not anything. Its proceeds are better than the profits of silver, of gold, of jewels, than the stock market, than your 401k, than your IRA, and your CDs. It's better than that, amen? So here's a lesson. Lesson is this, value wisdom more than wealth. Value wisdom more than wealth. Let's all say that together. Value wisdom more than, than wealth. Now, if we're honest, if we're honest, you're in church now, right? If, if we're honest, for most of us, the reality of this doesn't come naturally because we have a hard time seeing why it isn't a good thing to just be extremely wealthy and extremely rich because we have the mindset that being wealthy and rich would solve all of our problems. Well, the more that we go through life, the more that we experience life, 
especially the tough times and trials and heartaches, we find that the value of wisdom is more precious, more profitable, more valuable than wealth and riches. Right? Let me remind you that Solomon wrote this. Right? He wrote this. And he was the wealthiest and richest man in the Bible. But as, a wealth, as wealthy as he was, he knew that the blessings of a relationship with God and having godly wisdom was far greater than all he had. Far greater than any desire of material things. Now, if you're saved, say amen. Get this. There's nothing wrong. Now, I want you to hear, my, hear me here this morning. Okay, there's nothing wrong with having things money can buy. Nothing wrong with that as long as those things don't have you. And as long as you don't forget the things money can't buy, like joy and like peace. What good does it do you, friends, if, if, you, if you have this big, nice, beautiful, expensive, elaborate home and, and, and if there's no joy and there's no peace in it? Joy, listen, joy and peace aren't the, aren't the guaranteed byproducts of financial success, but joy and peace, say joy, say peace, are guaranteed to the one who embraces wisdom, who values wisdom, and who lives by God's wisdom. The sense of joy and peace. Verse 16, long life is in her right hand. In other words, a long life, a life of wisdom is lived to the, to the maximum, right, to the fullest. It will be a life worth what? Living. Then he writes, in her wisdom, left hand are riches and honor. And I want to say this. This is not a promise that those who become wise will become financially rich. The main idea here, friends, is of richness of life. Richness of life. Don't you want to have a sense of richness of life? Verse 17. Her ways are pleasant and all her paths are peace. So pleasantness and peace come to those who have what? Gained wisdom. Are you guys getting this? They live their lives marked by pleasant, pleasantness excuse me, and peace. So question, are you a pleasant and peaceful person? <laughs> are you? I mean, think about that. Are you truly a pleasant and peaceful person? Do you, do you live in pleasantness and peacefulness? Let me ask you this. Are you providing a pleasant and peaceful home for your family? Is there pleasantness and peace in your home? Let me ask you this. Do you make life pleasant and peaceful for others? (laughs) Do you? Verse 18, she is a tree of what? Come on, tree of life. She, wisdom, is a tree of life. I want to stop there. The figure of the tree of life takes us back to Genesis, to the Garden of Eden. And the idea behind this phrase may be of a figurative restoration from the fall. And what Adam did, listen, follow me now, Adam exchanged God's wisdom, which was you shall not eat of the tree of knowing good and evil, for in the day that you eat of it, you will certainly die. He exchanged God's wisdom for the serpent's subtle craftiness, which was shall not surely die. And therefore, Adam lost access to the tree of life. 
She, wisdom, is a tree of life to those who, what? Embrace her. Those who lay hold of her will be, what? Blessed. Get this. God gives it. God gives it. He's willing and ready to give it. But we must, listen, but we have to take hold of it. Laying hold implies earnestness. I love that. Earnestness and determination. Listen, godly wisdom will never be the portion of the person who has no heart to it. There must be a sense of earnestness and determination in wanting that wisdom. So wisdom becomes a tree of life to the believer who takes hold of her. And you know what that is? You know what this is? This is a foretaste of, get this now, of the new heaven and new earth. Through what I will, Revelation 22, verses 1 and 2. Revelation chapter 22, verses 1 and 2. It says, Then the angel showed me the river of water of life, as clear as crystal, flowing from the throne of God into the Lamb, down the middle of the great street of the city. On each side of the river stood the tree of life, bearing 12 crops of fruit, yielding its fruit every month, and the leaves of the tree are for the healing of the nations. You see, paradise, you got to get this, paradise was lost in Genesis. But paradise is regained in Revelation. Then you heaven and you earth. Good place to say amen. And, and this is Solomon's way of saying that living the life of wisdom has amazing great benefits and blessings here on earth and fruitfulness in the kingdom of God. Verses 19 and 20. By wisdom the Lord laid the earth's foundation. I want to stop there. This is amazing. Let's read that again. By wisdom, say wisdom, the Lord laid the earth's foundation. God showed great, amazing wisdom in his work of creation. And listen, friends, as you look at your, as, as, we, do, as we look at our universe and our world, we cannot deny the marks of a brilliant designer whose design shows his great, amazing wisdom, right? And you see, the more that we learn about this earth and about the establishment of the universe, in other words, the stars, the sun, the moon, and the galaxies, and how they operate and how everything is perfectly aligned to sustain life on earth, the more we learn about that, the more it should blow our mind. This didn't happen by accident. I'm going to look at the text again. By wisdom, the Lord laid the earth's what? Foundations. Let's read on. By understanding, he set the heavens in place. Verse 20, by his knowledge, say knowledge, the deeps were divided and the clouds let drop the dew. So he fitted, he, he ordered, he framed them in that magnificent order, friends. He, he created and he established these things, the perfection of them. Wisdom, understanding, and knowledge belongs to God. If you believe that, say amen. And not only belongs to God, it finds expression in the act of his creation. This is my point. God is in control of creation. He created it. He's in control of it. Amen? Get this. I want you to get this. The wisdom 
which gives us guidance, the wisdom that gives us correction for life and brings rich rewards to those who embrace her is the same wisdom by which God created the heavens and the earth. Ooh. Is that mind-blowing? So embrace wisdom. He's telling us, son, you got to get it. You got to seek it. You got to find it. There's great benefits and blessings in wisdom. Number two is this, go on my way in safety. Say that. Go on my way in safety. We're talking about the safety in wisdom. You see, because God directs our path, he is able to protect our path. Right? So follow me, verses 21 through 26. He says, my son, preserve sound judgment and discretion or discernment. I want to stop there. This is the ability to choose the best response in any given situation you're in. It's using the best judgment, the, the best discernment, the best discretion in dealing with a certain situation, a problem, or in talking with that angry person, or in sharing information about a sensitive issue. And what it simply means is this, friends, Carefully assessing how and when to act or not act under circumstances that require it. Got it? So here's the lesson. Here we go. Make right decisions. Make right decisions. Sound judgment, discernment, discretion gives us the ability to make right sound decisions. Friends, it is important that you and I as believers, as we go about our lives, we are daily making decisions, right? Some bigger than others. But we're making decisions. And when we make those decisions, I pray that we would be led by wisdom, right? God's word, wisdom. That we would know how to carefully assess how and when to act or not act to do it or not do it, to say it or not say it. Make right decisions. Let's read on. Do not let them, referring to sound judgment, discretion, and discernment, do not let them out of your sight. In other words, keep them close to you. Keep them before your eyes. Keep them in your mind continually. Verse 22. This is what he says. They will be what? Life for you. Life for your soul. Huh? It will quicken and delight your soul. And it says this, an ornament to grace your neck. In other words, it's like an attractive necklace that people observe with admiration. How awesome is that? Right? That they would see judgment, sound judgment, discernment, and discretion as you walk and live your life saying, wow, I can see that in your life. They admire it. Now notice the blessing. Notice the benefits. Then you will go on your way in what? There it is. Safety. Get that? And your foot will not stumble. When you lie down, you will not be afraid. When you lie down, your sleep will be sweet. Someone say amen. Have no fear. Verse 25. Have no fear of sudden disaster or of the ruin that overtakes the wicked. Verse 26. For the Lord will be, love this, the Lord will be your what? 
I'll say it with confidence. Confidence and will keep your foot from being snared or being caught. So, so let's walk through this, okay? You guys all right with that? Let's walk through this. Then you will go on your way in safety, love that, and your foot will not stumble. In other words, you will know the way in which you should go and intend to go, and as you're going, you avoid things that may trip you up. <laughs> Got it? In other words, you're going on your way in safety. And I want to say this, friends, there's nothing safer, nothing safer than living in wisdom and in the will of God. Let's move on. When you lie down, you will not be afraid. When you lie down, your sleep will be what? Sweet. Now let me tell you what Solomon is not saying here, okay? He's not saying that if you apply wisdom, you'll never ever have a sleepless night. He's not saying that. What he's saying is if you apply wisdom in your life and you're trusting God in your life, you're not going to be up all night, afraid, restless, worrying, or anxious. And you know, as I was doing my study, what, what, what came to mind was Peter. And Peter was in prison in Acts chapter 12, verses 5 through 7, Acts 12, 5 through 7. And let me read this to you. So Peter was kept in prison. The church was earnestly praying to God for him. The night before Herod was to bring him to trial, Peter, listen, what it says, Peter was sleeping between two soldiers, bound with two chains, and the sentry stood guard at the entrance. He was out. Then it says this, suddenly, got to get this, I find humor in this, suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared, and the light shone in the cell, and the angel struck Peter on the side and woke him up. Quick, get up, he said. And the chains fell off Peter's wrists. Peter is going to be executed. He's in prison. What is he doing? Sleeping. Dude's out. He's not worrying. He's not restless. He's not anxious, fearful. He's sleeping. In fact, again, the angel had to smack him a couple times to wake him up. That's how sound his sleep was. And why was he sleeping? You know why? Because he had unshakable trust and confidence in the sovereign will of God. He had perfect peace. And I believe, Peter, knew the meaning of Isaiah 26.3. Isaiah 26.3 says this, You will keep in perfect peace those whose minds are steadfast because they trust in you. You see how we sleep, and I want you to get this, how we sleep is sometimes evidence how much we trust God. Yeah? Let's, let's, go, let's, let's walk through this. Have no fear of sudden disaster or the ruin that overtakes the wicked. Verse 26, for the Lord will what? Be your confidence. Gosh, I love that. I think I'm going to write a song about that. For the Lord will be your confidence and will keep your foot from being snared or caught. So don't be afraid. If you're safe, say amen. Don't be afraid when those unexpected, sudden disasters show up in your life. Don't be afraid nor intimidated 
by them as to think that God has lost control. He hasn't. God is in control, right? God is in control. He, he's my confidence, and he's your confidence. He's our confidence, right? If you're safe, say amen. He's worthy of trust. He's God. He's worthy of trust. He is our everlasting confidence, and he will keep our foot from being taken. He'll keep our foot from being caught, friends. So praise his name and glorify him, friends. Acknowledge him as our everlasting confidence. That's when you're on your way in safety. I don't know what you're going through, what you're facing, what sudden disaster has hit your life or circumstances hit your life. God is in control. Huh? Don't be intimidated by that or fearful of that. You, you stand in the power, in the word of God, in the strength of God. He is your confidence. Amen? So embrace wisdom. Go on my way in safety. Number three is do good to others. Say that. Do good to others. Verses 27 to 28. You're still with me? Say amen. Verses 27 to 28. Do not withhold good. Did you get that? Do not withhold good. Say good. From those who deserve it. When it is in your power to act. Verse 28. Do not say to your neighbor, come back later. I'll give it tomorrow. When you, when you now have it with you. Now, now these verses could be speaking about one of two things. I want you to follow me here. First, this could be speaking about someone who owes money or who borrows something without returning it or not fulfilling a commitment. The point is, if you owe someone money, pay it. If you borrowed something, then return it. If you made a commitment, then fulfill it. Do it promptly. Are you guys with me? Second of all, this could also be speaking about meeting someone's need. Meeting someone's need. In other words, if you see a person in need, now listen, a legitimate need. Got that? And you have the means and the resources to fulfill that need, then do it. Do it. Don't, don't wait. Don't put it off. Do it. That's Solomon's point. Do it. Galatians 6.10, write it down. Galatians 6.10. And this is a wonderful verse. Therefore, as we have opportunity... Let us do good to all people, say all people, especially those who belong to the family of believers. So obviously it's speaking about doing good to believers as well as non-believers, doing good to, to what? All people, say all people. And again, if you see a legitimate need and, and you have the means, and you have the resources to meet that need, then do it. Be about God's business in doing good to others. Oh, I love what, John Wesley said, do all the good you can by all the means you can, in all the ways you can, in all the places you can, at all times you can, to all the people you can, as long as you ever, as long as ever you can. Love that. So, so do good to others. Do good to others. Do it because, let me tell you why. Because James 4.17, I want you to get this. Follow me here. James 4.17 says this, to know to do good and not do it is sin. Get that? To know to do good and not do it is sin. And I want to tell you, friends, sin is, is more than just 
doing what's wrong. It's also the failure to do what is right. It's a sin to fail to do what God has asked us to do. And that's what we call sins of omission. Some of you have heard this, some of you may never have heard this before, but there are sins of commission and sins of omission. Sins of commission is doing things we shouldn't do. We shouldn't lie, cheat, all that stuff. Doing things we shouldn't do. Sins of omission is not doing things that we should do. Such as witness and love and right and all those things. And you see what happens is we define sin. I lied, I cheated, I gossiped, I cursed, I got angry, I, you know, I, I, I stole, etc. It's, it's all based on doing. I, I did this, okay? But we can do nothing and still sin. Are you guys with me? So let me ask you this. What has God asked you to do that you're not doing? Think about it. What has God asked you to do that you're not doing? Perhaps he's asked you to bless someone and you're not doing it. Perhaps he's asked you to share the gospel with someone and you're not doing it. Perhaps he's asked you to pray for someone and you're not doing it. What has God asked you to do and you're not doing it? And you know that God has asked you to do that. Listen, friends, do it today. Don't wait. Whatever it is God's asked you to do, do it. Amen? Verses 29 and 30, follow me now. Do not plot harm against your neighbor who lives trustfully near you. Do not accuse a man for no reason when he has done you no harm. So you want the lesson? I'm going to get right into the lesson here. You ready? Don't pick a fight. Don't pick a fight. Let's read the text again. Do not plot harm against your neighbor who lives trustfully near you. Do not accuse a man for no reason when he has done you no harm. Don't pick a fight. Don't contend with someone for no reason. Huh? Don't contend with them if they haven't done you any harm. Right? Well, what if they've done me harm? Okay, well, what if they have? Well, then you go to them. And you tell them how they have harmed you. And then what you do as a Christian, what you do is you reconcile and you forgive them. Because God's all about reconciliation and forgiveness, right? The bottom line of this third point is this. Pay your debts, meet someone's needs, and don't be a troublemaker. That's what it is. You know what that is? That's wisdom. When I pay my debts on time, when I meet someone's needs, and when I'm not a troublemaker, rather a peacemaker, that's wisdom. Are you guys with me? Embrace wisdom and go on my way in safety. Do good to others. Number four is stay away from evil. Stay away from evil. Evil is the opposite of good. We know that, right? It's the opposite of good. To do evil is to do what is not good. Now, I want you to follow me here. As we unfold these remaining verses, you will notice the contrasting condition of the wicked and the righteous. The contrasting condition of the wicked and the righteous. Verses 31 through 35, stay with me now. Do not envy a violent man or choose any of his what? Ways. I want to stop there. This is an exhortation to not pursue the path 
of the wicked. Don't do it. Don't do it. It warns us against envy the person, the evil person, who appears to be getting away with his wickedness. And we see it all the time, don't we? God, why are they getting over? Why? Are they? It seems like they're just getting everything. Everything's going well for them. We are not to envy those who use wrong methods to get their own way. Are you guys with me? Bottom line is this. Their character, their conduct is not to be envied or followed because envy is in itself evil. Stay away from evil. 32, verse 32. For the Lord detests a perverse, that word is also crooked, man. The New King James renders it as the perverse person is an abomination to the Lord. This is a strong claim about God's view of those who are dishonest and fraudulent. And what he does, he detests them. They're an abomination to him. But notice this, friends, for the Lord detests a perverse, crooked man, but, here's a contrasting condition here, but takes the upright into his confidence. Don't you love that? The New King James says, his secret counsel is with the upright. Wow. His secret counsel is with the upright. How awesome is that? In fact, the phrase in Hebrew implies an inner circle of trust and intimacy with God. His secrets are reserved for those who seek him. His close, intimate communion is with the righteous, those who are upright. Upright. Verse 33, the Lord's curse is on the house of the wicked, but, here's a contrasting condition, but, he blesses the home of the righteous. And you know what comes to mind here, friends, is Matthew chapter 7, verses 24 to 27, where Jesus described the difference between a house built on sand and a house built on what? On rock. And the house, the house built on sand fell, fell victim to a flood, whereas the house built on rock, the rock stood firm. I don't know about you, but I... I want my home to be blessed, don't you? I want to have my home on a firm foundation, don't you? Huh? He blesses the home of the righteous. Verse 34, he mocks proud mockers. Here's the contrasting condition. But gives grace to the who? Humble. Both James in James 4, 6 and Peter in 1 Peter 5, 5 quote this. They quote this. God opposes the proud but gives grace to the who? Come on, to the humble. So you ready for the lesson? Here's the lesson. Very simple. Stay humble. Stay humble. And I want to tell you, friends, humility shouldn't be momentary. Are you guys with me? It should be a way of life. And we as believers need to pray daily and surrender our will to God that we, listen, we would come to the place where our total sufficiency rests in and on Him and His ability towards us. That I would decrease, that He would increase, John 3.30. John 3.30, I quote that every time I pray before I preach. I want to make sure it's about Him, not me. He needs to increase. I need to decrease. 
Staying humble, it, it's, it's constantly acknowledging his infinite greatness, friends, holding on to it for sustenance instead of struggling for self-reliance. It's honoring his will. Say his will. It's honoring his will, will excuse me, way above our own will, knowing we're nothing apart from him. It's knowing he's the holy one holding us in his hand. Stay humble. Stay humble. You may be that, but you're not all that. Amen? Verse 35, the wise inherit honor, but fools, contrasting condition, but fools he holds up to shame. This means that fools display dishonor because that's what they get for their choices. In contrast to the wise who get honor. Wisdom, wisdom leads to honor. Isn't that awesome? When you're, when you're seeking and finding wisdom, you're filled with wisdom. You're living with wisdom, godly wisdom. Not man's wisdom, not world's wisdom. Godly wisdom, that wisdom leads to honor. Whereas foolishness leads to disgrace. Get that? David Guzik said this, whatever exaltation the wicked seem to have, it is only temporary. Their legacy shall be shame, but God has a destiny of glory for his wise, humble ones. You see, fools have nothing to gain but everything to lose, whereas the wise have nothing to lose but everything to gain. Hmm? Everything to gain. So as we wrap this up, What's the overall lesson? Think about it. What's the overall lesson? There's four of them. And there are four points. The overall lesson is embrace wisdom. Go on your way in safety. Do good to others. And stay away from evil. Amen? Let's all stand. Father, thank you.